Well, we're a, we're a skinny group today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we, we know that um, lots of people are sick. Um, so there's loads of people sick, my own family. Uh, my daughter's sick at home with we don't know what. So stay back. But we're good. But it's all over the place. And so if you're, if you're watching from home, um, welcome. We kind of set up the, this, the space uh, for this Palm Sunday to be invitational so that you can participate at home. So even if you're at home and you're watching from Zoom, you can still participate in basically almost everything that we're doing. It's a little bit different this morning because it's Palm Sunday and it's a, it's a holy day. It's a holy week as we, in the Christian calendar, as we celebrate uh, the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Some would even say it's more important than Christmas. Kids? Maybe. It, it kind of is, but that's okay. Yeah, this is My son Judah's halfway is this. It's not thumbs up. It's not thumbs down. It's mid-range. Anyway, we're going to jump into the story right off the bat. And actually, usually on, a, on an Easter Sunday, we kind of shake it up. We, we, we dedicate this, the story or the sermon or the homily about the Easter story. But today... I actually think it really fits to, to continue on with Mark's gospel. And uh, we'll see why in a second, hopefully. But in order to do that, you have to imagine that you're walking on a road. That you're moving on a road. And the road is, is like maybe a couple shoulders widths wide and enough for a cart and a horse and some, some people. It's stone crushed and it's worn down and it's rising up ever so slightly uphill through bends and rocks and twists. And the further along you go on the road, the greener the scenery becomes. It's, it becomes lush. The air becomes a little thicker, a little more humid. It's not so arid and dry as down by the lake and in kind of Judea. You're, you're kind of climbing up and up and up, and you see the groves and the grasses and the, and the trees, and you can smell spring in the air. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely to be able to smell, to smell green? Imagine you can smell those scents. The freshness of grass, fruit on the vine, this lush, beautiful spot. And you're walking and your pace is slow. And you're thankful for that because you've actually been walking for 25 miles. And it's actually taking you a few days to get where you are at this moment. And you're not alone. You're there with Jesus and his disciples and I can imagine Jesus is kind of at the front of the group, and the disciples, like gooselings, are kind of following Mother Goose, kind of staggered on this road, and everyone is in basic quiet. No one's talking. Everyone's enjoying the blue sky and the beauty of the, of the scene. And all of a sudden, one of the disciples stops and he says, Wait, isn't that Caesar of Philippi? Caesar of Philippi, you couldn't mistake it. For over this, this hill, as, this, as you're climbing this ascent, you kind of reach this, this height, this bluff, and you're looking at this, this big stone outcropping coming out of the land. And there is unmistakably the city of Caesar of Philippi with new Roman architecture and shrines and temples and the cliff edges and the grotto. And it's undeniably Caesar of Philippi. And Jesus turns around and he says, Yes, it is. Why would we be there? No one dares ask. At this point in the story, the disciples have been following Jesus for maybe even two years. 
And he had taken them to all crazy kinds of spots. Places that they never thought they would be. And Caesar of Philippi is probably the most pagan spot that Jesus had taken them. For in this, this city, it was a dedicated city. Herod had actually renamed it and dedicated it to Caesar Augustus. And there's a temple there, basically a brand new temple enshrined for the Caesar, where people would come and worship Caesar Augustus. But it had even deeper roots because in the ancient times, there's actually this cave, this, this deep, endless well coming out of the mountain, out of the cliff edge, where people came to worship the god Pan. And they'd bring their sacrifices to this, to this deep well. And in ancient times, for hundreds and thousands of years, people thought that this was the gate to the underworld. It was called the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, this temple worship to Caesar. Why on earth are they there? Jesus says, don't fret. We're going to camp out. By nightfall, we'll be, we'll be out in the outskirts of the village. We're not going to the city. We're going to kind of just rest on the outside of this village. And the disciples keep walking. And Jesus keeps walking. And as they're kind of, this is sinking in, there's another strange place, another weird spot to be. Jesus again turns around and he asks a question. He says, hey, who do the people say I am? Who do the people, the crowds, say that I am? This is an odd question, an awkward question. A hard question for the disciples to answer because they've been around a lot of people. A lot of varying kinds of people. A lot of people with a lot of different ideas of who Jesus was. And some of these ideas were actually, they, they were kind of afraid to actually be hurtful. Someone's, someone said was like, ah, you know, well, Jesus, um, someone interjects, some say you are John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Jesus' cousin who in this, at this time was dead, beheaded by Herod, his head given on a platter as a gift for a family member. And his death, his cousin's death, the baptizer, the very one who baptized him in the Jordan, it hit Jesus really hard. And Jesus grieved the, the, the loss of his cousin. And the disciples, I, I can imagine they did not want to share that. You were John the Baptist, because there's actually a, a rumor going around, and it kind of started with Herod that, Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated, that, that John the Baptist was coming back for revenge through Jesus. Some say you're, you're John the Baptist. Jesus keeps walking. Well, well someone, uh, someone interjects, well, actually, Jesus, some say you're Elijah, the prophet. Elijah of old. Remember, he, he actually really didn't even die. He kind of went up on the chariot. He never had this like, weird exit of... From, from, from earth to heaven, and, and some say you've, you're Elijah, you've come back as Elijah. Huh, Jesus says. And I can imagine a couple moments go, pass by, and then Jesus, he stops. And he turns around and he says, looks at the disciples, now this line of men, grown men looking at him, with this view of Caesar of Philippi in the background. Jesus says, and, and you, what do you say of me? Now the question is personal. Well, he was their rabbi. They had followed him. They had seen him do 
incredible things. They had seen him cast out demons. They had seen him calm the storm. They had seen him walk on water. They have seen him make bread out of nothing and feed thousands of people. They've heard him speak. They've heard him teach. They've heard how he ushers in the kingdom with just his words. They've been around him as he's kind of redefined what it meant to be a human being. How could they possibly answer it? What would they even say? How could they answer that question? But Jesus asks again, who do you say I am? And I imagine Peter plays out in my mind that this, this whole day, as this is like this day approaching, this walk approaching, I can actually imagine Peter being uncharacteristically quiet. Because Peter's a loudmouth. He's, he's, he's always at the front of the line. But on this day, I can imagine Peter just something stirring in his, in his guts and in his bones. And he's silent. And when Jesus asks, who do you say I am? Peter blurts out, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah, God's chosen. Tears coming down his face, a look of kind of disbelief, and the disciples, as they, as they hear this, the Messiah, could it be? Not all the Jews are waiting for the Messiah. Not everyone had the same expectations of who the Messiah would be. But most assumed that the Messiah would be the rightful king of Israel. Could it be possible that Jesus was the king of Israel? Could it be possible that he was going to one day march into Jerusalem and take the throne from Herod? Were they not just disciples of a, of a good teacher and a rabbi, but actually of God's chosen Messiah? And as Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, I can't help but wonder what all the other disciples thought as that idea sunk in deep. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, yes, I am. But you cannot whisper a word of it to anybody. Strange, strange, strange words. And then Jesus said, don't breathe a word of it to anyone. And then he began explaining things to them. It is necessary, Jesus says, that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, the high priests, and religious scholars, and be killed. Be killed. As as this Jesus explaining this ordeal of suffering, a Messiah is not supposed to be killed or tried or put to death. They're actually in charge. The disciples, they can't make sense of this. And Jesus says, and after three days we'll rise up alive. The Son of Man will proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, the high priests and religious scholars, be killed and after three days rise up alive. And he said this simply and clearly so they couldn't miss it. And then something broke in Peter and he lunges forward on this road and he grabs Jesus by the shoulder and he spins him around as if to say, no, 
That's not possible. That's not how this goes, Jesus. Messiahs don't get killed. What are you talking about? And in this moment that, that breaks, the dis all the other disciples become kind of disheveled and disoriented and jarred because what had just happened in this, in this two-minute span totally changed their paradigm. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, stop it. Stop. Get out of the way. Get behind me, Satan. You don't even know how God works. By this point in Mark, as we so often see in Mark, it can't go very long without a crowd forming. They're so close to the city edges, so close to the village that there's people now watching. They can see they can, this, this commotion, this kind of kerfluffle that's happening on this road. And people start joining and they kind of like are, are peeking in and seeing. And Jesus calls the crowd towards him to join his disciples. He says, hear me. And I, and I can't imagine Jesus not looking Peter square in the eyes when he says this. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it be to get everything in the world that you wanted but lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade for your soul? And if any one of you are embarrassed over me in the way I'm leading you, when you get around to your fickle and unfocused friends, I know that it will be in greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God, his Father, with an army of the holy angels. And then he drove it home. This isn't pie in the sky. And some of you who are standing right here will see this happen. See the kingdom of God arrive in full force. So if you're at home and you're wondering what's going on, we've got some kids and making some palm branches on the floor here. Maybe you're thinking, what, why, why this weird story? Like, what, what, what's going on here today? There's a lot, a lot going on, and I don't quite, quite get it. Well, what's interesting is I'm, I'm going to kind of break out of, I'm going to do what I don't like to do, which is leave one book and, and dabble in another. And what Mark doesn't tell us, is you may be familiar with this story, but Mark doesn't tell us, but Matthew does, is when Jesus accepts that he is the Messiah, and he's, and he's like, he's championing Peter in this moment, he actually says, Peter you will be the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And it's not an accident that he's saying that because the gates of Hades are actually right behind him. And though Jesus doesn't say it explicitly, it's really hard not to see, not to imagine that Jesus is actually saying, that place right there where we think the underworld is, where people have come for centuries to, to like pay homage to their dead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in there and I hold the keys to that place. And I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to go down in the underworld. I'm going to pull up all of death with me. And I'm going to defeat death once and for all. 
But he's not going to go there as a triumphant king. Peter was half right, but Peter wasn't expecting Jesus to be this divine person. He wasn't thinking that Jesus was the second person of the Trinity. He didn't think that there's a divinity to Jesus quite yet. Messiah meant king, warrior, political leader, elite. He's going to conquer Rome. He's going to kick out. He's going to, he's going to make a strong statement against all the pagans in the world. And Jew, the, the, the nation of Israel and the Jews will finally be on top again. That's what the Messiah was supposed to do. But no, Jesus is actually going to die. And in a few days from this story next, the entire, kind of the entire gospel mark slopes down from this pinnacle on a mountain. All the roads point to Jerusalem to a final walk of death where Jesus carries his cross up to Golgotha. And the, and the walk of death that precedes that is a walk of another death his royal entry into Jerusalem. He doesn't come into Jerusalem as a conquering king. He comes in with the peace of God. He doesn't come into Jerusalem as, as a political elite or a religious, a religious leader with clout and certainty and pomp and circumstance. He comes in as a humble servant king who will go to his death. And so in a moment, what we're going to invite you to do is with your really cool hand branches, which are so cool. Or your other branches, I'm going to invite Peter to come on up and do some, uh, we tried last week and didn't work, so we're like, we've got to get Peter up here again. He's going to read through the Palm Sunday story, the entry into Jerusalem. He's going to read through it twice, and as he does, let it just soak and sit, and if there's a word or a phrase or an idea or an image or something that is deep in your soul, just grab onto it. Let the Spirit speak to you through the Scriptures. And if you're at home and you're, and you're listening and you, you want to get some sort of a symbolic gesture ready, after we're done the Lectio Divina, we're going to invite you to, to, to literally grab a palm branch and walk through the streets of our symbolic Jerusalem and lay our palm branch at the foot of the cross. That we're going we're gonna to join Christ in following him in his walk of death as we lay our expectations of Jesus. We lay our ideas of who we think Jesus should be. And we fully submit and follow him, laying our branches at the feet of the cross. And then when we've done that, we'll invite you to have some communion. So if you, if you have some moments at home to, to kind of grab those supplies, those emblems, some bread and some juice and some brown branches and a cross. That would be absolutely wonderful to participate with us here in, in service. But Peter, why don't you come on up? I'll hold my breath until you get away from me. Uh, good morning, everybody. It, um, it's, a, uh, it's an incredible privilege to be able to uh, read God's word for you here in our sanctuary. It's been too long, I think, since we've all been here. But uh, this morning's reading is from uh, Mark chapter 11. And it begins, When they were nearing Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany on Mount Olives, he sent off two of the disciples with instructions, Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone asks, what are you doing? Say, the master needs them and will return him right away. 
They went and found a colt tied to a door at the street corner and untied it. Some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? The disciples replied exactly as Jesus had instructed them, and the people let them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus, spread their coats on it, and he mounted. The people gave him a wonderful welcome, some throwing their coats on the street, others spreading out rushes they had cut in the fields. Running ahead and following after, they were calling out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Blessed the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. He entered Jerusalem, then entered the temple. He looked around, taking it all in, but by now it was late, so he went back to Bethany with the twelve. When they were nearing Jerusalem, at Bethpage and Bethany on Mount Olives, he sent off two of his disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered, one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Say, the master needs him and will return him right away. They went and found a colt tied to a door at the street corner and untied it. Some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? The disciples replied exactly as Jesus had instructed them, and the people let them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus, spread their coats on it, and he mounted. The people gave him a wonderful welcome, some throwing their coats on the street, others spreading out rushes they had cut in the fields, running ahead and following after. They were calling out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Blessed, the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. He entered Jerusalem, then entered the temple. He looked around, taking it all in. But by now it was late, so he went back to Bethany with the twelve. Father in heaven, I, um, I can't begin to comprehend the love you have for us. And we just want to thank you this morning that we are able to come before you at all, let alone in your sanctuary. And we pray, Lord, we pray for this church. We pray for the members of this church. Lord, you know us all, whether we're here or, or whether we're out on Zoom. And you know the needs and the fears of every single one of us. And for that, I thank you. And I just pray for every member of this congregation. And we pray, too, our thoughts turn to Ukraine. God, the, everything 
is in your control. We pray specifically for those who are trying to help. We know we have, we have people that are trying to get supplies to those who are in desperate need. And we know that you know those needs. And we thank you for that. Dear God, we just, blessed be your name. Heavenly Father, we trust you. Amen. Thank you, Peter. So in just a moment's time, uh, we'll invite uh, the team to come on back up. And, and as you're able, as you're willing, as you're contemplative at home, uh, as Peter said, we know, we, we know that we, we love you, and uh, uh, you can do this at home too, that, that we come before the cross because Christ has made it possible to do so. And we come before the cross, and we're not, we, don't, we don't die here because Christ has given us life. We don't lose ourselves here. Christ gives us our full humanity. So whatever you have to lay at the cross this morning, just lay it at his feet. He'll pick it up because his love is eternal. And the whole point is to, to share God's love with humanity, with all of us. And thank Jesus that uh, he did that 2,000 years ago. So as you, you can start, I put an arrow on the floor. So if you want to take a really slow, methodical walk towards the cross and, and pray contemplatively, that's wonderful. You can do that and then come and grab your communion supplies and we remember the death and the resurrection of Christ between his body and his blood as he died for our sins, and he did, but he did not stay dead. He is the holder of the keys of death in Hades, and he is alive, and he is alive in us. Say I can see what the Lord 